Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. I am your host, Catherine Perry. The Imaginal Space Podcast is dedicated to studying, exploring, healing, and honoring the aura. This podcast is a part of a multidimensional project designed to facilitate a deeper connection to yourself, the personal aura, love, the shared aura, and our universal family, the collective aura. Hi, everyone. Happy full moon. I'm so excited to be back here after my mini break. I took about a month off of recording and brainstorming ideas. Well, not off of brainstorming ideas for the podcast because I feel like new ideas were coming through for the direction and the avenues I wanted to take, you know, with respect to the podcast. But I really did appreciate the break. I think it's always a good idea to sometimes just take a step back from your projects, um, anything from life in general, and reflect upon, you know, where it's going, et cetera, et cetera. And that's actually what this full moon episode is going to be about. So a couple of things about the podcast are going to change, and a couple of those things involve implementing new series and refining the old ones. But one of the ones that has always been near and dear, very, very close to my heart, has been the aura, the moon aura healing series. Uh, There's a lot about auras on this podcast and a lot of different aura healing series. But yes, today the episode is going to be centered around the full moon. And for me, I always invite everybody to pay attention to, you know, what do the different phases of the moon mean to you? Because there's so many different theories out there. There's so many different, you know, lenses, musings, perspectives about the moon Um, and in general, I, again, invite everybody to just pay attention to what does the moon mean to me? What does the full moon mean to me? What does X, Y, Z mean to me? Um, but that is what we are going to be talking about today. And I've been finding, well, we're going to get to this, you know, in the episode. Um, but there's been a lot of illuminating and refining. I feel like I'm going to be using those words a lot during this podcast episode, because I was, you know, thinking about, you know, specifically around the time of the waxing moon, um, all the way into the full moon, you know, what, what's, what changes have been going on, you know, as human beings, the one thing that is, I feel like that's, that's like a quote or something, um, that the one thing that is always consistent is change. You know, that's like the one thing that you can count on is change. And that's what I've been, thinking about a lot lately is change and growth. So if you like change, growth, illumination, refinement, that's what's going to come up a lot. But then again, whenever I'm looking at the aura, new things pop in um, all the time. So, um, but before I get started, what I like to do is take a couple of deep breaths and just set up the space. So what does that mean? Um, For some people, it's just getting quiet. It's just recentering yourself, you know, focusing on the breath, I don't know a ton about breath, uh, breath work in general, but for me, just taking a couple of deep breaths um, really helps me to just set the tone. Um, you can invite in anything that you want to. I invite in my spirit family, um, my spirit allies, my spirit guides to just kind of um, guide and take the conversation to wherever it needs to go, you know, or um, ancestors, anything, anything that you want that's really going to support you in this time, invite that on in. Um, sometimes I say a quick prayer, um, before I get started, it really, really just depends on, you know, what I feel called to do. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Um, it takes a couple of seconds for me, 
But if you need more time, just feel free to hit your pause button and then we will get started with the aura healing. So if you want to, close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, and we will get started. Okay, perfect. All right. So like I said, during leading up to and, you know, around this full moon, it's been a lot of definitely a very, very reflective period. Um, I feel like, though, there's there's always time for reflection. It doesn't just have to be, you know, surrounding a specific phase of the moon or anything like that. Um, but I've been really, really reflective upon change. And so the first archetype we are actually going to look at is I was smile. I smile every time I you know, look at the aura of anything because it usually matches exactly what I'm thinking. And that is the shapeshifter. Um, so, and it's in conjunction with the kiss, which is another archetype um, that is usually, usually comes up when I need to pay attention to relationships. And so these two um, have a very, very specific medicine, which I'm really excited to talk about. So, relationships can be incredibly revealing. You know, they are a very, very powerful mirror. And the mirror is actually an archetype um, in its own right. It's just not in this aura today. Um, But the kiss is a very, I would say the kiss, the lover, the mirror, Eros, those are kind of all in the same like mirror-like family, but it's more of like, what am I using the mirror for? Um, So the kiss specifically is about, you know, seeing, you know, different aspects of yourself through relationship, whereas the mirror is just seeing different aspects of yourself that you may or may not have been aware of through anything. Um, And but the kiss is more specifically about interpersonal, um, possibly human relationships. It could just be because I don't have any pets and I don't um, have any animals, Um, but you know what, let's just, we can actually just nix that right now. It can be any interpersonal relationship of any kind, you know, but here's the thing. So the lover and the kiss, the lover, again, not a part of this aura, but, um, it does bring some wisdom to, you know, what the kiss is. The lover is looking at interpersonal relationships of any kind. So humans, animals, spirits, et cetera. And, you know, whatever it is that you kind of, you know, alluding to the title of the card, whatever it is that you are falling in love with within them, it's highlighting an aspect of yourself that you have yet to fall in love with or that you have yet to express. So for example, if I look, um, my sister, okay. So I deeply admire my sister, my sister. She's so caring. So, um, if I'm looking at my sister from the lover's perspective, perspective, if I'm looking at how caring and how generous and how spirited she is, Those are aspects of myself that she's reflecting upon me that I can also express. So that's kind of the lover. But the kiss is a little bit different because what it does is the lover is more one-on-one, you know, paying attention to one interpersonal relationship at a time. So if the lover popped up in an aura, then I would be looking at, okay, you know, what is my relationship with my sister like, or what is my relationship with my mother like, or what is my relationship with my partner like? You know, you get the idea, right? The kiss is so fun because it 
asks you to look at the history of relationships. So it's not just, you know, your current relationship, any friendship, any romantic partnership, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not only the history and also what's coming through is it's kind of like the collective of relationships. Because if you think about it, time is very elusive, you know, um, you, your past relationships, there are dynamics and dimensions of your past relationships that can absolutely influence you in the present. So, you know, um, let's see, I'm thinking of like a past friendship right now. Um, there are definitely very, very powerful elements of that past relationship that could absolutely, you know, still come into play now, you know, whether I'm conscious of it or not. And that's what the kiss asks us to do. It asks us to not, the lover is more one-on-one. Again, one interpersonal relationship. The kiss asks us to look at all of our interpersonal relationships and then kind of see what the connection is between everybody, you know? And it's so interesting and fascinating to look at it that way because you might think, you know, what could my friends, what could my family, what could my past romantic partnerships, what could all of my relationships possibly have in common? And it's you, you know, if you're thinking about, well, yeah, what could my relationship with my dad have to do with my relationship with my friend, like from maybe a decade ago, you, you're, you know, the person, you're the link that's in common. Um, So that's the medicine of the kiss. It's really this idea that, you know, we're all connected in like a special way, even if we think that, you know, two people have nothing in common. If they are in your life, then energetically everybody in your life has something in common because they have you in common and you are kind of the binding energetic of that group. So this has been very interesting to me personally because I have been looking at all of my interpersonal relationships. I've been looking at, you know, my relationships with my family, my relationships with my friends, my relationship with my new partner and the theme has been change and has been growth. And that's where the shapeshifter comes in. So what I love about the medicine of the shapeshifter is basically it implies that we are vessels for infinite possibility, okay? And I talk about this, I'm in a new relationship. Um, It's a lot of fun. I'm deeply in love with this person. Um, And we have like a lot of interesting conversations and there's nothing, honestly, I'll probably talk about this on a later podcast episode. There is nothing more powerful than a relationship, like a romantic relationship lens as a mirror. You know, he is my most powerful mirror. I love him to death. Sometimes it's challenging, but that's also what I very much love about him. Um, uh, But yes, the shapeshifter. So yeah, we've been talking a lot about change and growth lately, um, mostly because we are fairly young and we've, We haven't known each other for a very long time, but sometimes we'll just think about like, hmm, you know, who will we be, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now? And that energy has been popping up a lot lately. You know, I was having a conversation with my mom the other night and she was talking, she was just basically reminding me, you know, you are a very young person, you know, Um, and a lot will change for you in the next five years in the next 10 years, you know, and basically she's all about growth. Okay. My mom is all about growth, um, all about change. 
all about evolution. You know, that's just very much who she is. And she's also about not letting anybody stopping you from growing. And I really admire that about her. I've learned a lot about, you know, what does growth really mean? What does change really mean? And really allowing yourself to change. And that's all the shapeshifter. So coincidentally, the shapeshifter is a part of the red family. Um, Red is all about getting grounded. And my mom is a very, very red person. I don't believe the shapeshifter is actually in her aura. Um, But her human aura appears to be, it's very, very red and a little bit yellow sometimes. Um, So she knows a lot about just red in general. But we were having that conversation and I was having that conversation with my partner. Like, you know what? We are both, we're both going to change a lot because we are also, I think, there's potential for growth and change at any age, but we are at that age where it is classically known that you change a lot, your twenties, your thirties, you know, because you're still illuminating, you know, revealing different aspects of yourself and then refining those aspects, you know? Um, And that's all very, very exciting. So we are just constantly wondering, you know, can we grow and can we change together? And I was actually talking about this with my aunt too, Um, Because my parents are divorced, you know, so and she's been married for decades, um, maybe around 25 years, possibly 30. I'm not sure. But for me, that's a long time. And also in an era where um, I think it's about a 50 50 split, you know, where people get divorced. You know, I do admire and respect. I mean, I admire and respect everybody. You know, everybody um, deserves respect all the time. Um, But I really do deeply admire and respect people that are able to be, you know, in a happy marriage um, for decades upon decades, possibly just because I didn't have that growing up, you know, and it's also sometimes it's just a genuine curiosity and a fascination with how is that even possible? Um, Because, again, that was a model to me um, as a kid whatsoever. And so we were talking about that and she said that they grew and changed together And so the kiss and the shapeshifter together begs the question, you know, how looking at the people around you, you know, what what's coming up surrounding, you know, growth and change, you know, because there's been a lot of change, um, instability and uncertainty. But then there could be also a lot of, you know, stagnation, you know, with respect to the pandemic and everything that has been happening lately. There's been like for some people. Um, it's uprooted and changed. I think, you know, on a collective level, that's unfair. On a collective level, it's uprooted and changed a lot, you know, about people's lives. And, but for me, it was very interesting because I experienced a lot of change and then a lot of things stayed the same. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, you can pin all of that on the pandemic. I do believe that, you know, we have our own choices, you know, we're autonomous beings, we're self-sustainable, we have free will, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So there are decisions that you make yourself, Um, but it's been a very interesting period of stagnation in some respects and then change a lot of change in other respects and seeing the, the parallel juxtaposition between the two and experiencing that um, has been very, sometimes confusing, but very, very interesting. Um, But yeah, that is the shapeshifter and the kiss. And the kiss is a part of the orange family. The orange family is all about, your relationship with creation and co-creation in general. And that just adds the layer to the kiss that, you know, it's just a reminder that this, oh, oh yeah. Um, (laughs) 
this is a big part of the kiss. I can't believe I didn't mention this before. Um, so the reason that the kiss is all about kind of collective relationships and the history of relationships. Remember what I said earlier. If you think that your family, your friends, your partnerships have nothing in common, think again. What they have in common is you. And that's because your relationship with yourself, your relationship with love, your relationship with God, your relationship with creation is reflected in every single one of those people. And that's why I love looking at relationships in a collective respect, because sometimes if you spend, you know, too much time one on one, you know, with a person, you can kind of get lost. Um, But there is so much or not lost, but you might not see the larger themes that are playing out in your life. Like it might not jump out at you, you know, Um, because we learn so much from our interpersonal relationships. Like I'm learning so much from my mom right now. I'm learning so much from one of my friends, Kiara, right now. I'm learning so much from my partner, Sawyer, right now. And but it is it's very interesting to pay attention to, you know, Kiara, Sawyer and my mom on an individual level, and then also pay attention to, you know, what connects all of them together. And jumping back over to the shapeshifter for a moment, because I don't think I've really talked about this yet. Again, the shapeshifter is giving yourself permission to change. Like I said earlier, the one thing that is kind of consistent, you know, in this human experience is change. And we are meant to evolve and we are meant to change. And that is what the shapeshifter invites us to do. Um, Again, red is very grounding. So it is interesting that like a very ephemeral energy is red, but what it asks us to do is ground in the idea that we are change. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, you know, because from, I've just the same thought. um, What's that called? It's not like a mantra or like an affirmation, but just the same thought over and over again, like, wow, I am change. That's the shapeshifters energy. It's understanding that as human beings, we have so much potential. We can go in a million different directions. I could be one way today and I could be completely different tomorrow. And the shapeshifter gives you, it's a very creative card, even though it's not a part of um, the orange family, it is a very creative card. The shapeshifter asks basically you to give your yourself the permission to change into literally anything you know, anything in any moment. There are some people that really own that really well. I'm thinking of um, a specific mentor of mine. He's amazing at this, you know? Um, he's someone, it's Shaman Durek. If you haven't listened to his podcast, Ancient Wisdom Today, I highly, recommend, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, but he's always saying like, I, and this is a little bit dipping into the self, um, but he accepts all aspects of himself, you know? Um, He's very much, I could be this way one moment and I could be this way another moment and I am contradictory by nature. And I give myself the freedom and the the permission and the space to be whatever it is that I need to be and to basically just channel myself in any given moment and to transform and to transmute and to just completely change at a moment's notice. And I don't care, you know, if anybody else, you know, believes that I'm like kind of unreliable or like they don't know what's going on with me, that doesn't bother me. And he is very much a good example of what it means to be grounded in change. Um, all right, so we can move on a little bit. There's a lot of change and transformation cards actually in this aura in general, um, because next up we have the mystic. And the mystic is also a card that's been popping up a lot in a lot of different aura readings. I'm probably gonna talk about it on the next podcast episode, 
because it's actually one of the main cards in my sister's aura. So I'm really excited to talk about that one. Um, But the mystic is all about revealing love in the darkness. And so, you okay, typically the language is light and dark. You know, the mystic illuminates. It brings, it reveals the light from the darkness. I just shift the language a little bit. And I've talked about this on my website. It's, um, it's under the FAQ section. If you go to FAQ and then language, um, I discuss this in detail because about around last year, there was, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Actually a large conversation surrounding the uses of the words, you know, light and dark in the quote unquote spiritual community, Um, The fact that like lightness and whiteness is associated with like, quote unquote, good and darkness and blackness is associated with like, quote unquote, like wrong or bad or, you know, whatever, or like, you know, Um, so I stay away from those words because I really don't want to perpetuate that ideology and culture. Um, So the mystic. So but here's the thing, though, and this is where I will use the words light and dark. Light and dark very much create each other. In the same way that there is no right without wrong, good without bad, there is no light without dark. And the way that I see it is light and dark are just two sides of the same coin. So, and that coin is love with a capital L. It's love, it's creation, it's spirit, etc. So light and dark are just two different sides, two different expressions of God, source, creation, etc. And so the job, the role of the mystic is to reveal love in the places that we didn't even think love existed. And that's the quote unquote darkness. And so what's so interesting about that too, um, because Sawyer and I talk about this a lot, everybody, and this seems, maybe this is why the mystic is coming up quite a bit. So I heard this and I've always known this in my heart. So when I heard this, it was more of like a remembering. Everybody does everything from their own perspective of what love is. And basically that's just saying everybody does, you know, whatever they believe is in their best interest. So for me, you know, talking about like auras and whatever, like that is my way of bringing more love and consciousness to the planet. Right. However, and again, this is where it gets interesting. Everybody always thinks that they're doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like nobody's hurting, well, excluding, you know, that, but like really everybody thinks that they're doing the right thing in the moment. And our intention is usually never to hurt ourselves or to hurt anybody else on purpose, even if you do. This has been coming up a lot for me lately. So Um, let's just say you say some sort of remark to a friend and it's to you, um, you think you're helping them, you know? Um, oh, you know what? Perfect example. Um, my mother, you know, she's a great example of this or, you know, just like parents in general. Right. So there are so many, and I say parents because, you know, sometimes our relationships with our parents can be the most dynamic, complex, and the most interesting, right? Um, going back to the kiss in general, because usually a lot is tied back to our parents. Um, but sometimes our parents, you know, oh, you know what? My mom was actually specifically talking about this the other day, um, last week around like Valentine's Day. Um, we were just sitting at the kitchen. We were talking and she was saying, you know, as a mother, 
I, there are times where, or, and this was in the past, but she was talking about how she was growing and developing as a mother. And she said that, you know, in her early days as a mother, that there were times when, you know, she just wanted to like nurture us and like hold our hand and, you know, provide that very, I guess, nurturing, like loving, like classically caring um, space. But then she was like, well, wait a minute. That's not what they need right now, you know? And I found that so fascinating um, because sometimes there is, she was like, you know what, there is a difference, you know, as a mother, you know, with respect to what I might want to provide in the moment and what I know I need to provide in the moment. And again, it's all based upon perspective. So there are moments where, you know, maybe she wanted to like provide a very, you know, kind, you know, classically caring, nurturing space. Um, But she's like, you know what? I don't think that's what my child needs in the moment. You know, maybe they just need like a firm hand. Right. And, you know, that's what she perceives is the most loving thing to do, you know. And I love this card because it always reminds me and it's it's a part of the green um, pink family. So it's very, very healing. But it reminds me that love doesn't always look like what we think it does. My mom has been a great um, model for that in general because everything she does is from love. Everything she does, but everything everybody does is from a place of love because we're all God's children. We are all created from love. We are all created from spirit, source, etc. There are really no exceptions to this rule. And so the mystic is brave enough to look at darkness as just another form of love and then reveal it, you know, and it is a challenge. So in the times when, you know, I personally, and again, this is a perspective thing. So for me, I'm very, very sensitive, you know, I'm a very sensitive person. And there are times where I've been like talking to my mom, like fighting back tears, because like I said, sometimes a crybaby, I'm very, very sensitive. And so what I think I need in that moment is like a hug, you know, like, let's just say we're arguing, you know, just like for a very simple example, let's just say we're arguing on her side. She doesn't see it as like arguing at all. You know, she sees it as I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to help you. You know how many times there have been where she's like, I'm literally just trying to help you. And I'm sure she just wants to like shake me and be like, I'm just trying to like help you right now and, you know, give you some guidance and you're not listening to me. But on the other side, you know, again, very, very sensitive um, it's Pisces season. I'm a Pisces moon. So if that gives you any insight, um, I, I can like cry very easily. Um, and I'm thinking all I need in this moment is a hug. And she's like, no, that's not what you need. That's the mystic, you know, because in the past, you know, <laughs> recent past, um, I would view that as, you know, she doesn't understand me. She doesn't care. Or like sometimes like that's like the ego's like, first inclination is to be like, this person doesn't care about me. This person doesn't love me. And what the mystic reminds us, which is incredibly healing is no, that person actually does love you very, very much. They're just loving you from their version of love, from their perspective of love, which may or may not match your own, you know? So my mom, again, very, very loving, just tough, you know, firm, tough, but still a very, very loving person. It's just that her version of love doesn't always match up with mine. It's kind of like the love languages, you know? That book was, it's a very, very simple book, but it's very, very eye-opening, you know? Because what it does is it teaches you to honor that not everybody gives and receives love in the same way, you know? 
for example, my, for me, the way I receive love, it's like um, physical touch and time spent together. Um, my dad could not be the more opposite. He's more like, um, what is it? What's that? Um, acts of service. Yeah, he loves that. Okay. So there are times like, and he, I mean, maybe this is all dads, you know, I don't know. Um, but for me, I love getting hugs, you know, from my parents. I've tried to hug my dad sometimes, like when he was younger, he would give me tons of hugs, like all that physical affection, you know, as you know, um, dads do with their children. As I grew up though, it very much dissipated. And so, you know, when I would see him, when I would visit him and like give him a hug, he'd be like, yeah, okay, goodbye now. Um, or that wouldn't mean, you know, too, too much to him. But if we know when I was younger and I was like living with him, if I like took out the trash without being asked, if I just cleaned up the kitchen, he was so happy. Okay. It meant more to him than a hug. Um, it's just like, he was so, he is so acts of service. And that's what the mystic reminds me of too. You know, like we really need to start paying attention more and understand that, again, our version of love is not the same as everybody else's. You know, that's number one. And honoring that mismatch. And just because there is a mismatch, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So again, the mystic, revealing love where you didn't think that there was love before. You know, so I constantly do that with my mom. You know, every single time that, you know, we get into a disagreement and like my inner child is like screaming, like, I don't feel loved right now. I remind myself, no, wait a minute. There is a lot of love here. It just doesn't look like what you think it does. And there is no should, you know, there is no should for, you know, there is no, this is what love should look like. No, there is, this is how I know love and this is how I receive love, but also honoring and understanding that different people honor and receive love in very, very different ways, different ways. And that in conjunction with the shapeshifter is, you know, honoring and understanding that might change for you too. You know, the way that you, I don't know if the love language specific love languages specifically is like rooted in like psychology um, or biology, or if that's like a thing that can change over time, mine's been pretty consistent. Um, but let's just, so not with respect to that, but just in general, you know, your perspective of, you know, light versus dark, you know, what's right versus wrong will change over time. You know, I was at dinner, um, my partner, we, Sawyer and I were just eating dinner. Um, no, this was after dinner, actually. We were just, you know, hanging out and he was like, you know, you've taught me a lot, you know, about, you know, my perspective, you know, right versus wrong, you know, what that really means. Um, we talk a lot, you know, because we have very, very um, interestingly opposing views on the racial injustice and systematic oppression that occurs in America, you know, just in terms of, you know, where it comes from, you know, solutions um, and so on. And he's very much been like, you know, you've revealed a lot to me in our time that we've spent together and revealed to me that there are certain aspects of my perspective, you know, that are wrong. And you know what? That's not the point. You know, the point is not to polarize and say right or wrong. Um, the point is, you know, trying with your best to be as loving as you can be, you know? And again, that's going to look different for everyone, you know? And it's so interesting because you can't, there's no, I guess there's no way that that should look, you know? So 
his way of being loving now is probably going to be different, you know, than it is in, you know, five to 10 years, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, because everything just changes, you know, the shapeshifter reminds us that change is a very, very natural thing. Um, we don't know what it will look like, but I always tell him that, you know, if you become aware of a more loving perspective, integrate it and, you know, exhibit it, you know, set an example, you know? Um, so that is the mystic and the mystic is in conjunction with the riddle. So, um, or they're in the same pair. So the mystic and the riddle, the riddle is paying attention to our relationship to the mystery in general. Um, so the riddle is a very intangible card, um, which makes it a very interesting addition to the silver family, because the silver family is all about um, kind of like protection, you know, and where do we find, you know, our feeling from protection from. So I find it interesting that the riddle, which is it's basically all about life's big questions. You know, what are we doing here? You know, what is actually going on? You know, what is God? What is source? What is creation? Um, what is like religion? You know, what is it that I deeply believe in? You know, what is the mystery? You know, capital V mystery. Um, you know, what is all of that? What's going on here? So that is a very, it always strikes me that that's, it's just a very interesting part of the silver family in general. Um, because what it asks you to do is to find, find protection and guidance, finding protection and guidance in not knowing, you know, in the mystery in general. And I love that the riddle and the shapeshifter came together in the same aura. Because again, your relationship, this is all about change. It's all about growth and change. You know, the shapeshifter is kind of like the star of the show in this aura reading. Um, but the shapeshifter and the riddle points to you can change, you know, so shapeshifter and the kiss, your relationships change as you change. You know, they're very, very reflective of the change that's going on. The shapeshifter and the riddle is your relationship with the mystery is always changing. And that's what I love about the mystic and the riddle because, again, as you challenge, that's what, yeah, as you challenge yourself to find love, and again, in what you would perceive as quote-unquote darkness, so finding love in the places that you didn't think that love existed, naturally your relationship to the mystery changes and you evolve in that way, which I think is really cool. All right, so next we have the pilgrim and that's perfect. So the pilgrim is very much, okay, so it's very much about the linear journey, but paying attention to the microcosm and the macrocosm at the same time. So as so with the shapeshifter, as you're growing and as you're changing, paying attention to how your inner change is reflected outwardly. So again, the shapeshifter and the kiss, it's a little bit of a different vibe because it's about paying attention to relationships and the collective of relationships, historical present and I don't know the future, if like you can do that possibly. Remember, yeah, kiss is all about paying attention to how your relationship with creation, again, orange family, all about creation, co-creation, creation in general, paying attention to how all of that is reflecting, reflected in your relationships. The pilgrim is more like paying attention to how baby shifts or not even baby ones, but just shifts on the inside of you, how even the smallest of shifts on the inside can kind of create large ones. 
you know, outside of you. So again, microcosm inside of you, paying attention to what's shifting in there, and then paying attention to kind of the present moment and all of the surroundings and what might be changing on the outside as well. And that's the pilgrim. And then there's the king. And the king is a very, it's also, they're all kind of interesting in their own way, but the pilgrim and the king is very interesting combination. The king is all about understanding that you have the entire spectrum, like the full spectrum of the human experience inside of you. Um, It's a very, very, very beautiful card. It's a very powerful card. It's a part of the magenta family. And the magenta family is all about new love and finding new expressions of love. So the king is about finding new expressions of love within yourself. And I really love that the king and the shapeshifter came into play in the same aura. Because what it asks you to do is to understand that you have the full capacity, you have the full range of all human experiences inside of you, and then you can express those, you know, so through the shapeshifter, like you can express, you can evolve through those and you can pay attention to how you are expressing and how you are evolving through your relationships the kiss and through just like your external circumstances so that's the pilgrim so next up we have the stone and it's interesting that interesting um it is interesting that the stone and the shapeshifter um are in the same spread because like i said the shapeshifter is very ephemeral it's very um transitory um, there's a lot of change. It's a very dynamic, like if, if cards could, if energy in the cards could move, it's a very move. Like it, it's, it would be an energy that moves around a lot, you know, because it is all about changing and shifting. And, you know, what am I going to look like next? What am I going to look like in, you know, 20 minutes from now? What am I going to look like a day from now? You know, what am I going to be expressing a year, 10 years, um, 20 years from now? What is that going to look like? That's the shapeshifter. Um, the stone is, Interestingly enough, it is a part... Oh, I like that actually a lot. Um, the stone is a part of the blue family. And the stone has a story... It has its own story about groundedness. And you would think that the stone belongs in the red family because red is all about being grounded. Um, but this is... The stone as a part of the blue family brings a different flavor to groundedness that I really appreciate in this aura. So the stone is all about grounding, number one, grounding in the eternal and kind of finding your own way of, you know, what does that groundedness mean to you? So basically its story is we all have the the eternal inside of us, right? And that can look like, you know, because we also have the riddle in here and the riddle is all about the mystery. That can look like a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. So it just asks you to ask yourself the question, what does the eternal look like to you? So some people, it's very, very simple. For them, um, it's connecting to God. It's connecting to a higher power. It's connecting to source. It's connecting to spirit. That part of them, that helps them to ground. So, you know, as you're exploring with the pilgrim, as you're, you know, shape-shifting with the shapeshifter, finding the stone asks you to ground in your own truth. So blue and red together, you know, especially with a very movement oriented, the shapeshifter and a kind of anchored card, which is the stone having a very, 
having the, those two are very much opposites, but they're also very complementary. Basically, what it's saying is, you know, as you're growing, as you're changing, as you're shifting, you can always come back home to whatever your truth is. And blue is all about truth. It's all about balance. So it's a couple of things. Blue is all about truth. And it's all about balancing your truth with other people's truths. So kind of going back to the mystic, again, mystic is more green, which is all about healing. Um, but the blue family basically says it's okay to have your own truth, right? You know, we all have our own truth. We all have our own version of the truth. Yes, we know this. But also there's space for your truth and everybody else's, you know, to exist at the same time. You know, they don't threaten one another. They don't compete with one another. Um, we all have our own truth. And so the stone is basically, again, as you're moving, as you're shifting, you know, as you're transforming. Because like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of transforming. There's a lot of movement in general, um, just in the aura. Um, stay grounded in whatever your truth is, you know, stay, I guess anchored is a better word um, because that aligns with the story of the stone. But yeah, no, well, grounded is too. Staying grounded and staying anchored in whatever your truth is as you're shifting, you know, because our blue, again, our internal truth, truth with a capital T, um, that changes, but it also stays constant in a weird way. You know, there's so many, we all have our own truth. We all have, oh, you know what it is? We all have our own truth. We all have different ways of connecting to it. It's just that the story of it might change at any given point and the way that we connect and the way that we ground may connect, um, may shift at any given point. So a very, very simple example is, um, cause it's all different ways of saying exactly the same thing. So, in one language, I am a Leo sun, Pisces moon, Libra rising, right? That's the language of astrology. And in numerology, I am a life path eight, okay? Um, and then there's like a couple of other numbers that I can't really remember because it's been a while since I've looked at astrology. Um, in the language of auras, I'm very much a yellow and an orange. Um, and my spirit allies, um, I have badger, jaguar, hummingbird and stork. Those are my four. Um, yeah, those are my four like spirit animal allies. Okay. Um, so what does all that mumbo jumbo mean? Basically all of those are different ways for me to connect to my truth. So, um, believe it or not, you know, saying that I have like badger and jaguar as my key animal allies and that I'm a yellow orange and that I'm like a Leo sun, Pisces moon, um, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all different languages to capture the exact same thing, you know, and that's a big part of blue too, you know, is discovering and continually rediscovering what does make me feel anchored because that does change over time. There was a time again, I think I've said this many times before where I was way more connected to astrology than I am now. And that's what helped me ground, you know, remembering, oh, I'm a Leo sun, I'm a Pisces moon that helped me connect. You know, there was a time where knowing I'm a life path eight, you know, or that's my main number and numerology is the number eight, the, eight, the number of like cosmic infinity. That really helped me to ground and connect, you know, to my own truth, to myself. Right now, I find that connecting through my spirit family, you know, brings me that anchoredness and that groundedness that I'm really looking for. And hey, it could change tomorrow because again, we have the energy, the shapeshifter in here. Anything could change 
you know, as you evolve and as you allow in new information. And that's the riddle, you know? So that's the riddle in the stone. Again, as your relationship with the mystery changes. So my relationship with the mystery, creation, God, you know, whatever it is that's going on here, the great mystery, it's changed, you know, since I knew about astrology and then I learned about numerology and then I learned about tarot and then I learned about auras and, you know, archetypes and now we're here, you know? And then I learned more about the spirit world. It's always changing. And that's also a bit of the destroyer. So the destroyer is the card that is in conjunction. It's in the same pair as the stone. The destroyer is the part of us that wants specific things to end, you know? Um, it's not it's not a bad card. There are no bad cards, you know? Um, maybe it's it's just a perspective thing. You know, you could see the card and be like, oh, that's terrifying. I don't want that energy, you know, around me right now. Or you could be really excited about it, you know, and know that it does bring deep change because with ends come beginnings, you know, again, everything kind of exists or everything does, you know, from my perspective, exist in pairs. So whenever the destroyer comes, that means, you know, there's a new beginning around the corner um, because the destroyer is a part of a sacred trio. It's a part of the um, there's the creator, there's the sustainer, and then there's the destroyer. So we have creation, new beginnings, sustainer. That's kind of the middle. You know, what are we, we are sustaining our creations. And then the destroyer, that's when the, you know, they come to an end, you know? So it is part of that sacred creation trifecta. Um, but yeah, the shapeshifter, the destroyer, the mystic, they're all about transformation in general. Um, they're all, I'm, I'm just surprised that the threshold's not in here or something like that, um, because that's another very transitory card. But that's more of a, I feel like the Destroyer Apocalypsis, oh, Apocalypsis is the next card. But yeah, the Destroyer Apocalypsis, the Shapeshifter, the Mystic, those are very dynamic cards um, in terms of transformation. And then the threshold, it's more about the space, you know, in between transformation. So that's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, let's move on to Apocalypsis. So Apocalypsis is, is like the, okay, so it's an initiation card and initiation card. It is the card of transformation in the entire deck. It is about, and it is very, very much connected to Aletheia, which is truth. Because basically, whenever you're going through a time of apocalypsis, it invites you, it asks you, well, maybe it doesn't really ask. Honestly, it signifies a time when there is so much change going on. And what you need to do is kind of, it's like a reevaluation card, you know? What, and again, it's not a part, it's a part of the orange family, even though it does have a lot to do with truth. Um, it's very interesting, you know, what cards are a part of what family and they bring different flavors to different families. But it is a part of the orange family and it's about removing any deception you have in your life and making way for the truth. Because if we're going to talk about a lot of, there's a lot of like duality in this aura as well. Um, but if we're going to talk about like the truth versus like deception or the truth versus what's a lie, there's only so much, there's only so much time that we can hold space for both of those and express both of those at the same time. And so Apocalypsis asks us to really, you know, like go deep and realize, you know, what is, what is, where is the deception here? Where am I not, 
you know, acting from my truth and what needs to go. You know, again, very big. It's a very sweeping, very big transformational card. It's one of when I think of apocalypsis, I think of a time when, you know, I went to Yosemite years ago. It was my first time going and I was really, really excited. I'm the kind of person when I go on vacation, um, I plan everything. Okay, so um, that trip was no different. I looked up like every single I mean, there are thousands, you know, probably infinite hikes, honestly, that you could go on and explore in Yosemite. And I was really, really excited about this one particular hike. And you know what? This this story has actually happened to me twice. So I was really excited about this particular hike. And when I got there, the forest was just burned. You know, it, it was charred. The trees were completely charred. Um, and it was closed. So like you could drive through the forest, but you couldn't hike in the forest because they were giving it, um, it was going through its season of restoration. So they wanted to give it a breather so nobody could like walk through the forest. And I was really sad, obviously, because, you know, I planned this beautiful trip. I really, really wanted to go on that hike, et cetera, et cetera. And I just couldn't. And, but, you know, I was really excited because you know what? I was like, I'm gonna come back. And I can't wait to see what this forest looks like when it has regenerated. You know, it's been years since then. So, I mean, I don't know how long it takes for like a like a forest's ecosystem to um, completely regenerate after a fire, you know, in that great devastation. But that's apocalypsis, you know. Like I said, it is a big energy. It is an initiation card. So there is a lot of movement and change and it is a big change. But it also, even though there is a lot of big change and, you know, depending on, it can be uncomfortable or comfortable depending on whether you are allowing the change to happen. But imagine yourself, you know, apocalypsis as that burnt forest at first. And then, you know, how much there is to look forward to afterwards. You know, what is that? What is that new forest going to look like? I guarantee you. I mean, well, I can't guarantee you actually, Um, but I'm sure the forest is not going to be exactly the same as it was before the fire. And that's what this card is. You're not going to be the same, but you can kind of look for, and this is where, you know, it's like very much an orange card. Sure. Everything was burned to the ground, but that does give you the opportunity for a new sense of creativity. You know, if that's, you know, if a big part of you, you know, is shed or dies or goes away what am I going to do next? You know, what am I going to look like next? And you have that creative freedom. You know, it's like a clean slate, you know, so that forest had a clean slate. What am I going to look like after this? I don't really know, you know, Um, and that's the energy of apocalypsis. And with apocalypsis, we have the offering. So it's really, really important. All of the cards, oh, interestingly enough, do come in pairs or in the way that I read the aura, they all, yeah, they all come in pairs and they all come in pairs that you have to balance and that you have to consider. So with apocalypsis, you know, again, all of that change and then all of that creativity that comes with change. And so now we have the question of, well, what are we changing? You know, what kind of change, what kind of transformation are we really talking about here? And that's the offering. And I've definitely been feeling this a lot lately because the offering is about offering your entire full self without reservation. And what does that actually look like? And the offering is a part of the blue family. 
So it's not just about the offering isn't just about like, um, oh, what would you say? Like some sort of third dimensional service. It's about more of the offering of your soul or the offering of your spirit in a very full, in a very whole, multidimensional way. And that does require it to be a blue card because you do need to connect to, you know, whatever your truth is in the first place to really know what that means for you. So again, it's not about just like, I mean, in like, in a very, very basic sense, it could be like offering, you know, somebody this or offering somebody help or, you know, um, asking to be of service just in general. Um, but this card, especially, you know, paired with such a big transformational energy um, of apocalypsis, it asks us the question, you know, how do I really, how am I shifting? How, how am I shifting? How am I changing? What am I letting go? What am I shedding so that I can basically offer the full depths of my truth in my soul or offer the full depths of my soul rooted in truth, you know? So that's, that's like a very interesting question and it might just remain to be a question. It's even a question I've been thinking about lately you know, what needs to go so that I can really offer my full self, you know, because I believe that the full moon is, again, it's a lot, I, it is a lot about, you know, illuminating, illuminating what's already there. Um, and it does, what it does, it, it marks this period of releasing because after the full moon, you know, just science is the waning moon. And that does have a lot to do with um, release because waxing like building and then, you know, waning is releasing. So, you know, at the point of the full moon, you know, it is like a celebration period. You know, you're looking at everything, you know, how far you like where you've come, you know, with respect to the waxing moon, you know, everything that you've built. And then, you know, naturally in nature's balance, we're looking at, you know, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to release next? And I believe that's where apocalypsis comes in. You know, what is it that, you know, instead of adding, because we are, we do very much live in like, especially in America, um, a culture of more, you know, more this, you know, what can I buy? What can I gain? Um, what can I make instead of, and that's all well and good, you know, but like I said, everything comes in pairs. So it's not just about like, what can I add to my life, but also what can I release to my life? Because in a way, releasing does provide a way for illumination, you know? So very much with apocalypsis, again, you know, releasing, you know, basically, you know, deception is one word um, because it basically just refers to letting go of anything that does not reflect the truth of who you are. Um, but releasing can lead to a lot of revealing. You know, anytime that you really let go of something, you're just like, wow, that's just not me you make room for what is actually me. And so that's kind of the feminine aspect of it is allowing that transformation, that releasing and that revelation to happen. And then again, the masculine part. So once all that's, you know, well and done, you know, how does that help me offer my full soul? How does that help me offer my full spirit and just like the fullness of my entire multidimensional being. So that's the offering. And next we have, or last actually, we have the nectar and the poet. Um, I really love these cards. These are very, very sweet cards. 
So the nectar uh, as a part of the violet family is all about channeled medicine. So like I said, there's a lot of um, very movement-oriented transformational dynamic cards. We have the shapeshifter, we have the mystic, we have the destroyer, and we have apocalypsis. And so the nectar reminds us just literally just take care of yourself, you know, and channel your own medicine as you need it and really pay attention to what that is. So there's a lot of blue, right? Yeah, there's a lot of blue in this aura um, in general. Or, yeah, there's there's more blue that I think that's like blue and red, blue, red and orange. Um, but there is quite a lot of blue. And again, blue is all about truth. And in this case, it's less about the balance of truth and then more about reconnecting to what your own truth is in the first place. Um, and as you're doing that, really knowing and paying attention to what brings more love and what brings more healing to your life is important. So the nectar is very much, you know, just have fun with and be, you know, it is a very channeling. I think violet and orange, they're kind of similar um, because orange is about, you know, creation, co-creation, very creative card. They're all creative cards in their own way. Um, Violet's more of a channeled energy. So really just letting go. It's kind of like let go of whatever you think healing is or should be in any respect and really ground in and pay attention to what actually heals you, you know? So for me, um, it was really cold and really, really snowy where I am. We've had several snowstorms, which has made it very difficult to just even kind of get outside because there's just so much snow on the ground. And so it's very, very inconvenient. <laughs> However, um, a couple of days ago, it was like 50 degrees outside um, everybody was outside, you know, with their masks on, going for their socially distanced walks. It was beautiful. I was out there. I was like, I got to be out here all day. You know, I was basically acting like it was summer, you know, in my t-shirt, um, my t-shirt, my mask. And, um, it's, it, it was only 50 degrees. Okay. But it was a big deal because for me, just getting outside and having that fresh breath of air, I'm pretty sure that's healing for everybody. Um, but again, the nectar is more about individualized healing and paying attention to what really does heal you on a personal level. So today, I'm pretty sure it's only 43 degrees and sunny. But for me, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's 43 degrees and sunny. I'm getting outside. Um, because there is something about moving my body and just having that fresh breath of air and just the sun on my face that feels absolutely incredible to me. And I do not take it for granted ever, you know because I know how much it means to me. So it's been very, very gross and dark and rainy and snowy the past couple of weeks. Now that we have this bout of sun, I'm so excited to get outside. So that's just like a small example. But again, it that I mean, we're humans, we are nature. And so there is something to be said about connecting to nature and just how healing that is. Um, but then that's just the nectar is just knowing even if something seems so simple, don't take it for granted and don't overlook it um, because it can be incredibly healing. Like for me, this is not really possible right now. One of the most healing things for me to do is just go take photos of flowers. I love photography. Um, I love flowers. Um, I wouldn't I'm not a professional photographer. It's just something that I love doing. I feel like that example always comes up with the nectar. Um, because for me, it's just like, it's something that I've always 
anywhere I've been, you know, anytime I travel, um, when I was at school, you know, when I was at home, anywhere I've ever been, if I just need a reset, I'll grab my camera, um, my favorite lens and go take a, go take photos of flowers. You know, even if I, even if there is no garden, um, especially if it's spring or summer, I'll just walk around until I find some. And that's just exact, that's just what I'll do. Um, so that's the energy of the nectar. You know, the shadow of the nectar is having like a rigid or fixed approach to healing. And the light, the light expression is just being flexible. You know, the most loving expression is being flexible and being like, wow, you know, what is it that I really value and really appreciate? You know, for some people, it's just like, especially right now, um, where you kind of can't do this, it's just getting a hug from a loved one, you know, depending on who you're quarantining with. Um, that can be incredibly healing too, just that physical contact, just getting a hug, you know? Um, so it's very much pay attention to what comes like, again, Violet channeled, pay attention to what really comes naturally to you. So when you really need to reset, what is it that you do? You know, what genuinely makes you feel good? And it may or may not, you know, um, it may or may not like be healing for everybody else, but that's actually where the poet comes in. Um, because the poet is, it's a liminal card. It's very much about the connection between the personal and the impersonal. So I like to think of it as the connection between the personal aura and the collective aura. And so the nectar in the poet reminds us that, you know, paying attention to and developing our own healing rituals and practices, even if it's not healing to everybody else, it actually is. So I'm going to contradict, you know, in shapeshifter fashion, everything that I just said about how the nectar is about very much individualized medicine and healing and reset. But the poet says, you know, when you are reset and when you're feeling good and when you're feeling, you know, healed and like you're clear, you bring that energy everywhere you go. And, you know, on the flip side, if you're kind of like, Ugh, you know, just like all out of sorts and you're not feeling like yourself, you also bring that energy everywhere you go, you know? And I'm always very aware of that. You know, I don't like to, if I'm just having an off day, I hate spreading that to other people. I hate bringing it around them. Um, it, it really just depends on who they are. You know, sometimes if I'm having an off day and, you know, and this does have a lot to do with um, like very, like very quick side note, just learning how to be on your own and learning how to be your own healer, because that's very much what the nectar is, is being your own healer. Being your own healer doesn't necessarily mean that it always has to be um, like healing isn't always like a solo activity. It's more about just knowing what you need to heal yourself, knowing what you need to bring more love into your life and then doing it and taking action. So for some people, um, my partner is very much the kind of person he's like, sometimes I just need a hug. He's definitely texted me before and just been like, I need a hug right now. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way, you know? So it's not necessarily about um, you have to heal alone because there are, I'm a, I'm like a double introvert. Okay. I'm triply introverted. I'm the most introverted, 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 introvert person. I know. I don't even know if I said that correctly, but you get the point. Um, and so for some people who are extroverts, which I just really can't understand, but I can, um, but I can at the same time, you know, when they need healing, they go to other people, you know, to bring that love and to bring that energy into their life. So it's not about, you know, being alone. It's about knowing 
sometimes it is about really, it's just about knowing what works for you. And in the time that I spent alone, I was like, wow, I've really figured out, wow, this really, really works for me. Um, and it's not dependent on a specific person, you know? Um, but if you have loved ones in your life where you're like, I could really use a hug from them right now. And that, you know, that's what you need. Um, then do that, you know? And so these two together is very much, you know, the understanding and the relationship that when you care for yourself, you are inherently caring for other people. Because again, when you care for yourself and you heal yourself, you're not spreading your offness, you know, so to speak, you know, to other people, you know, especially when people, there's so much conversation right now about like what it means to be an empath or empathic or whatever you call it. Um, it's up to them to, you know, really establish their own boundaries, but people absorb that, you know, I'm learning a lot, trust me, a lot um, about, you know, from a couple of people that are true empaths in my life. And it's been so illuminating because I've really learned a lot about how energy spreads. And I'm definitely, I'm probably one of those people that's like an empath too. You know, again, I'm still learning about it. Um, but my partner Sawyer, definitely an empath. Um, one of my really good friends, Kiara, definitely an empath. Um, my sister, empath, 1,000%. Um, I mean, as human beings, we're all empathic, but and we all have empathy, but then there's some people that are just empaths by nature, and those three definitely are. So they've both, um, or all three of them, have continuously taught me a lot about how energy transfers. It's so fascinating to see, um, but I'll talk about that another time. But that, that's basically what that is. You know, they just, they came through in that example because, you know, when they it's kind of like, I can see it. It's so, again, so fascinating. When someone around them is off, they know. And it might sound like crazy that I'm just like coming to these revelations now, um, but I've just never seen it on this scale, you know? Like um, Sawyer, he's very much, when someone's off, or you know what? Good example. When I'm off around him, he knows, you know? And it's like kind of scary because I've never had that before. In any past partnership of if I've been off, also, you know, those weren't the healthiest things ever, but I was, it, it wasn't the healthiest tactic, but I was very, very good at hiding it. Um, and I would actively try and hide it from other people because like for me, it's, uh, I just, I really, really dislike um, if I'm having like an off day, bringing that into other people's energetic spaces or bringing that into other people's auras. So I would always try and hide it or stuff it down. Um and nobody would notice, you know, um, he notices. And again, very scared, very cool, but like very, very, sometimes I'm just not used to it still. Um, when I'll have an off day and he'll be like, are you okay? And I'm like, how did you know? And in my mind, I don't say this out loud, but I'm like, how did you know I wasn't okay? And then I'll be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, or I'll explain, you know, whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, that's the nectar and the poet is even it like, empaths aside, we can all feel it in some way. Because like I said, even if you're not an empath, you know, we're all like empathic because we are all human beings. And also in general, I've said this example so many times, but it's um the nectar and the venom are like direct, they're complementary opposites, Um, but they're direct opposites. So I give this example with the venom a lot. Like um, last night um, we were in traffic and traffic doesn't bother me. Um, traffic frustrates one person I know. Um, 
and you very much have the opportunity, like, let's just say, you know, you're frustrated by your traffic. You have the opportunity to heal that right then and there and show love to that and, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do to heal yourself. Or you can spread that frustration to other people and other people will feel that because we all have empathy, you know? Um, but yes, so that's a little bit of a tangent, but it's really, really important for this because like I said, this full moon, cause that was the, that was the last part of the aura. Um, this full moon very much is surrounded around change. So we talked a lot about change and how it reflects in like, so change in general, you know, how are we changing? How are we growing? You know, what's going on? What are those, what are those conversations surrounding growth look like? You know, how do we want to grow? Where do we want to grow? What do we want to grow into? That's the shapeshifter. And paying attention to all of that through the lens of the kiss, which is our collective relationships, you know? Um, so for example, you know, wrapping it back around, you know, you can use, you know, not use, but like, you know, the people around you are great models for what you want to shift into and what you are outgrowing. I don't think I talked about this earlier, actually, um, kind of just came to me now. Um, but yeah, people are great. Whatever is coming to the forefront of your relationships in general they are and like whatever you're talking to your friends about, whatever you're talking to your family about or your loved ones in general, um, all of that is a great reflector of what you are outgrowing and what you are growing into. And I found that so fascinating because I see it um, with my th- three closest friends, um, my partner and my mom right now and my sister a little bit. My sister's away. Um, haven't seen her in, oh my God, like a year. Ah, I miss her so much. Um, yeah, wow, it's been like a year um, since like Corona and um, quarantine and pandemic, everything. Um, so she's a little different, but I am seeing a lot um, in the conversations I have with my friends and my mom specifically right now. Um, and then other members of my family that I've been talking to over the phone and my partner just in general about growth, what I am outgrowing and what it is that I want to grow into. So again, the kiss, the history of your relationships really points to how you have been growing. And then the present collective of your relationship, which again does include the history because there are different dynamics that can pop up um, in the present moment. All of those are context clues to how you are growing and what you are outgrowing and what you might want to do next. And then again, oh, it is interesting though that the mystic and the nectar because those two are somewhat associated with the, well, actually they are very much associated with each other, um, that they're in the same aura. Because again, the mystic is very much a healing card. It's very much, again, everybody does everything from their own version of love. And since we are talking about growth, your version of love grows through looking at the quote unquote darkness. So basically it just, Again, for some further um, explanation, the quote unquote darkness is just what you did not perceive as love before. You know, so if you so what we everything is love in general, but we have, you know, both sides, which are both very much needed. So we have the light and the dark. The light is basically, again, none of them, neither one of them is good or bad. Just remember that. Um, but the light, quote unquote, side of the coin is what you're used to. It's the love that you're used to. And the dark is just the love that you don't know yet. That's it. 
The light is the love that you know, and the dark is the love that you don't know. Um, and that's just like very, very healing in general. And it allows you to get to know the mystery in a new way. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of, there's so much in here. You know, there's so many questions. Again, how am I growing? How do my relationships reflect that? You know, um, the mystic, how can, the mystic is more like, how can I grow? You know, how can I grow? How can I evolve? How can I change? And it's about really honoring and holding space for different perspectives and different dimensions and different versions of love without saying that one is right or wrong. That's how we really grow through one another is by realizing that everybody has their own version of love to offer. Um, the pilgrim and the king. Um, oh, yeah. And then using that to reevaluate, you know, your own relationship with the mystery, with the riddle. And then we have the pilgrim and the king. You know, again, the pilgrim paying attention to when you shift something inside of yourself, how that's reflected outside of you. The king, we have the full spectrum of the human experience inside of us to express and to explore you know, as we're interacting with the pilgrim. So, you know, as you embody and as you express those different, you know, dimensions, expressions of the human experience, you know, how does that change your outward external circumstances? The stone and the destroyer, again, grounding in your own truth as everything is, you know, ending and changing around you. Because, again, we are change, you know, change is inevitable. Um, the only thing that is like constant is change. Um, things end, things begin. So the stone, knowing what your truth is, knowing what connects you to your truth, what anchors you in your own spirit as everything is changing around you. Because again, we have the destroyer, apocalypsis, the shapeshifter, the mystic. That's a lot of change, okay? Um, apocalypsis, shedding those old layers so that you can reveal, you know, who it is that you really are. Every time apocalypsis comes in, it's an, it's an initiation, it's an initiation on the level of letting go of who you aren't just so you can be who you are. And again, the offering, offering your full soul from the truth of your spirit, you know, offering your full self from the truth of your soul. And again, the nectar and the poet under, oh, you know what it is too. wrap now that I've like gone through this and like I'm wrapping it all up. All of this is a very interesting dynamic healing experience. Which makes sense. You know, this is a full moon or a healing episode in general. Um, so all of this medicine, ultimately, all of this medicine of change, all of this medicine of reevaluation, all of this medicine of illumination, of refining, you know, knowing who you are, knowing who you aren't, you know, growth, evolution, change, that's all very, very powerful medicine, which is the nectar. Um, so that's just like a different way of interpreting the nectar. Um, but what it does is, you know, as you go through this medicine, as you experience it, as you experience, you know, the medicine of taking inventory and, you know, what is it that I want to leave behind and what is it that I want to grow into that helps you become a better universal family member. So I didn't talk about that aspect of the nectar. Um, just in general that, you know, again, the poet is, you know, the space between the personal and the impersonal, the, um, the personal and the universal, the personal and the collective. So as you grow, as you change, as you open yourself up for more opportunity to grow and change um, whilst staying anchored in your truth and being opening open to endings and being open to transformation and being open to, 
you know, your relationships um, interpersonally and with the mystery to change, you become a more dynamic, um, fuller, and as you learn how to really offer yourself, just a better member to this universal family. And that's kind of the ending of this um, is the understanding that, yes, you know, we all want to grow and we all want to change, you know, for ourselves, but we also want to, we want to show up in the best way for ourselves, our interpersonal relationships and our relationship to this universal family in general, just to be a better member of the collective and to shift the collective aura, you know, in our own loving way, you know, the poet is very much, um, it's the energy of one of my spirit babies, um, care, which speaks to, you know, how we care for ourselves and how that is reflected in the collective and how we take care of one another. You know, that's, um, that's cares medicine and that's reflected in the poet. Um, so really all of this is to say that everything that you do, every way in which that you grow, um, change every way in which that you shift, shape shift, um, with respect to yourself, your relationship to the mystery, um, interpersonally, all those things. It's also that you can become a more loving universal family member. So that's it for the aura healing. So we are going to end the same way that we open the podcast. Um, I like to take a couple of deep breaths just to reflect a little bit. Again, I take a couple of moments. If you need more time, just hit the pause button and then we will close. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing space today. Happy full moon. Um, that was very, I'm really, really excited to start season three and for everything that's going to come with it. Um, Okay. Oh, I just, oh, I was just thinking about that. So basically before this podcast, um, I was really, well, before this, I guess the season actually, um, I'm always looking for, you know, how to, again, kind of like the Nectar's message, lean into my own medicine and like kind of figure things out for myself. And, you know, a part of that was I kind of wanted to not shift but refine um, the aura or the moon aura healing series um, and kind of shift. I could feel like a shift, but I wasn't sure what it was. And then I remembered, oh, wait a minute. There is that um, that idea or that consciousness that the, um, the different faces of the moon are connected to the maiden, the mother, the crone, the queen. And the full moon is connected to the mother. And I didn't even talk about this because it literally came to me right before I started recording the podcast. But um, I was like, wow, you know, I have my own understanding of the maiden, the mother, the crone, the queen, um, just the archetypes in general. That'd be so interesting to weave into the podcast in general. And I didn't do that yet. So I guess I can do that now. Um, the mother is the creative channel. Um, she's very fertile, very creative. Um I love the mother. Uh, she, I said she by accident. Um, they're all gender neutral. So if I ever do that, that's uh, that's a mistake. I apologize for that. Um, everybody has the mother within them, no matter you know what your gender is or how you identify. So, um, but yeah, the mother is very, very fertile, very, very creative, and the mother holds a lot of space. So when you think about the mother, just in very third, very basic, very third dimensional terms. The mother basically channels 
um, and this is how I understand it, like a spirit into physicality, a spirit baby into a human. You know, that's an incredible um, creative transformation in general. And the mother holds space for that experience. So in general, around the full moon, I find that there is this extra layer of medicine that has to do with really just holding space for exactly who you are. You know, and that does have a lot to do with the illumination of the aspect, illumination aspect of the full moon in general. You know, this morning at around like 2 a.m. ish, um, the moon was so big and so bright and you could see everything. You know, I could see the forest, you know, in front of and behind my house. Um, You could see literally everything. And like if I walked outside in my front yard, I wouldn't even need a light. You know, it was that big and full and bright. And so yeah, that's just like a quick note um, that the full moon just like casts this big, beautiful um, light on us so that we can see every single dimension of ourselves. And the mother is holding space for all of that. So anytime I do like a full moon or a healing or any around the full moon, I find myself particularly paying attention to how I can just hold space for every dimension and every expression of myself at that time. And this is very important medicine for today, you know, especially with, you know, how we're growing, how we are evolving, how we are changing, you know, how we are letting go and how we're making room, holding space for all of those processes at the same time. And that's the mother. The mother is the great space holder, the mother archetype. Basically, when you think about it, like I um, use the language like God, source, spirit, creation, the great mother is also in there. You know, because the great mother holds space for all creation. We're all like those mini creations. It just depends on how you want to describe um, back to the riddle, the mystery in general. Um, but the great mother, God, source, spirit, creation holds space for all of us, you know, and the full moon is like a time to really celebrate that. So that just just like a quick aside, I'll find a way to integrate that more. I was literally just thinking about it this morning. Um, But other than that, happy full moon and I will talk to you soon.